48 years old. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Nor a seed begging bread. If I had a chance to witness my father from 7 years old. Putting his hands on me. When I gave my heart to the Lord publicly. From that time to the day. My father's not here anymore. He died in 2011. But I decided that I'm going to lift the banner that he put down and continue to carry forth the gospel work. And so I'm here today thankful to stand before God's people. It's a very serious thing to stand here. I want to ask you to turn to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. God's word has something very powerful to say to us. We are living in the last days. It is very evident that we are in the last days. And if we have spiritual insight and we've allowed the Holy Spirit to deal with our hearts and our lives. And if we have decided to put aside the hypocrisy of professing out of our mouth. What we do not possess in our hearts. And if we are willing to allow the Holy Spirit to work with us, the Lord can do things through us that we thought was impossible. Amen. Nothing Amen. is impossible with God. Amen. Unless this word becomes real to you, unless this word becomes real to me, unless we eat this word and consume this word like we do the food that we eat every day, we will not be prepared for the adversities and challenges that come our way. Knowing the 2300-day prophecy is not going to be enough by way of your knowledge to make it through adversity. You need to know it. We need to know it. But we better have something more. Amen? Amen. God's word commands us to do two key things. He tells us to love God with all of our heart. And to end up, number two, to love our neighbor mm -hmm. as we love ourselves. Amen. What I've discovered is one of the reasons why we're challenged for loving our neighbors is because we don't love, love ourselves. And it's interesting that we would treat people how we treat ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Follow me? Mm -hmm. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 3. Verse 13, my subject today in simple terms is who is your neighbor? Who is your neighbor? And because time will not permit us to go over everything I would love to say, I'm going to let you know up front, please go to Christ Object Lessons. I'm going to challenge you to do that. If you don't have Christ Object Lessons in your possession, please, no excuse, go to the Internet and pull up Christ's object lessons. And please go to the chapter that says, who is your neighbor? Read that, please. Please do that personally. Amen? Amen. I want to pray. Feel the weight of God's power and His Holy Spirit. Pray with me, please. Our Father, Thank you. Thank you for your presence, the presence of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your children. We love you, Father. But we need your help. And we understand that just our need for help is the greatest argument in heaven on our behalf. Father, thank you, good Jesus, for dying for our sins. Thank you for being alive now pleading on our behalf. We have an enemy, Satan. He's angry and he is trying to take us out. But we thank you, Father, for the ministering angels and the power that you provide us each and every day. May this thing become real to us and may we operate while it's day because the night comes. Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayers and giving us the power to believe and to trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.
<laughs> Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, says the following. <clears throat> it says, but exhort one another daily. What did it say, church? Do we know what exhort means? Exhort means to encourage. Amen? So though I told you that God has given me a gift of encouragement, I'm here to tell everyone under the sound of my voice that God has commanded and instructed each person in this place to encourage and to exhort one another daily. Amen. Amen. But exhort one another daily while it is called today. Lest any of your what? Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. These words are powerful, but do we understand practically what it means and how to operate daily? in this instruction. Because if we can learn and apply these simple lessons that have, are communicated in Hebrews chapter 3, 13, it would change everything about our homes, our personal lives, our homes, our schools, our churches, our businesses, and our relationships with our neighbors. It starts with our attitude. How many people operate in their life as a happy person, just happy, just thankful, just appreciative. How many people do you know, including yourself, that rock around and carry the burdens of life on your shoulders and on your face? Well, I'm here to tell you, you don't have to stay that way. Because God's word is so powerful that it can transform the most vilest person, the weakest person, the most discouraged person, the most challenged person, the most selfish person, the most prideful person. The Word of God can do it. <laughs> As we were praying today, Elder, I was being overwhelmed with not only the appreciation of God's spirit, but dear brother, when you asked for the prayer request about your health and what you wanted, man, I felt the heartfelt cry and communication that you shared, dear brother. I had a mild stroke at age 18. Sure did. I was a serious athlete. Every sport you could think of, I was able to play. Got awards for that. But when I had a stroke at age 18, it did everything to impact my life. But what I thought was a great challenge became a great blessing to my life. Because I recall that day when I laid on my back, I could not walk for at least three days, at least. And I looked up to the ceiling and I, and I was thinking, to the Lord, and I said, and I prayed, I said, Father, listen, I've never been sick a day in my life. I've been a vegetarian all my life, and I've known about your word all my life, and I don't know why I'm down like this right now. But I said, Father, I tell you what, Jesus, if you'll get me up, I will serve you and give you everything that I got. And within a few days, with my mother, who's 77 years old, and a neuromuscular therapist, she was there helping me every day. And through the power of God and a loving mother in her service, God restored me back to health. Amen. And I thank God for it. Dear brother, whatever you do, don't quit. Whatever you do, know who created your body. And whatever you do, rejoice that as long as you be faithful and seek his wisdom, he'll give you what you need. Amen? Amen.
Saints of God, we can talk all day about how God, good, good God is. We can read the Bible three to four hours a day. We can go out and witness three or four hours a day. And that's good. And that's important. And that's needed. But the one thing we better not neglect is our personal time with Jesus. Amen. I know what I'm talking about because I've done it multiple times in my life. Not purposely. We're trying to do it. Nobody tries to do it. But we can allow the cares of this life to get in the way. Amen? Amen. And it takes everything to serve the Lord. Amen. And I want you to know I'm sharing this with you, but as I walked in this church today, I was reminded personally that it takes everything to serve the Lord. It is something about being in the midst of God's people that does something to me. It does, I'm telling you. I don't have the testimony of a person who lived in the world. I can't give you that testimony. I thank the Lord for the example of my father and my mother. People who love God and love their neighbor. Amen. That's what I know. That's all I can tell you. Amen? Amen. But I'm here to let you know that no matter where you are in your life, no matter what you're dealing with financially, in your health, in your relationships, in your relationship with God, God is able. Amen. And if you personally believe it, and will allow the Holy Spirit to persuade you. <clears throat> Did y'all hear what I said? Mm -hmm. Will allow the Holy Spirit to persuade you of how good he is. And how kind he is. And how loving he is. And how strong he is. Don't be alright. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen. Amen? I went to school for theology. I ended up acknowledging and recognizing in the first part of my experience in school that I needed something more. I just didn't need some documents or a diploma. Because in my soul, in my heart, I needed something more. And so I asked the Lord, Lord, will you give me something to do? And he showed me over a period of time what he had called me to do and my purpose to be here on this earth. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you something. There is a difference between a diploma and your purpose for God. Amen. Amen. Sometimes that interlocks, sometimes it doesn't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Amen. I can stand here today not trying to be like anybody in this church, but to be who God called me to be, anointed to serve as an encourager, a brother of encouragement. <coughs> who God has asked me to spread courage from the north, south, east, and west as fast as possible for God's glory. Do you know your job description for Jesus? Do you know what your purpose is? Do you know why you're here and what you're called to do? Do you know why you're in the church? If I had gone by my first mind, you might enjoy this here, but I have to say it. I've been in many business meetings. I'm on, uh, I do ministry and business. And I wanted to ask everybody in this church to sit in the first three or four rows coming close together. Amen. I decided not to do that, but I just want you to know that's all I think. <laughs> <laughs> you got to give your all, man, for Jesus. Amen. Don't come to the game unless you're ready to play. Mm. Huh? Mm. And even if you do come and you're not ready to play, just get in the house. <laughs> because if you do, the grace of God may be able to do something and make a difference for you. Amen. Who is our neighbor? How many people would like to know what the definition of a neighbor is? Amen. This is in the book Christ Object Lessons. I just absorbed it in my heart. You can go read it. Mm -hmm. But our neighbor just simply is anyone who needs our help. Amen. Who is our neighbor? Saints of God, when I come here, I have a special appreciation for small churches. 
My father did, and so do I. And when I come here, I see potential, nothing but potential. Like a small garden that has a few seeds, but if it's faithfully tilled and handled and managed, it can produce food for a lot of people. There is love in this church. And I feel it. And I see it. And I know it's here. All a church like this needs is some instruction and some encouragement. Amen. The servant of the Lord says many people would work for the Lord if they only knew how to begin. She says they must be instructed and encouraged. Amen. 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 I'm a soldier. In fact, I'm a special forces officer. <laughs> Interestingly enough, I'm from the tribe of Naphtali. Genesis chapter 49, verse 21. It says, Naphtali, or Naphtali, is a hind let loose. He went about giving goodly words. I've often told people, I'm not a motivator. I'm an encourager. Encouragement is a God-given thing. And it's about reaching the soul and reaching the heart. Now, the layman's definition of soul for me to give you, they just things flow to my mind, so you got to catch it quick. <laughs> but if you think about a soul, the soul is simply the mind, will, and emotions. That's what makes up the soul. The mind, the will, and the emotions. So my question to you today is, how is your soul today? How is your mind today? How is your will? Where are your emotions? Are they given to Christ? Or has the television taken it over? Has the cares of this life taken it over? Has material things taken it over? I pray not. Because the dirt that all these things are made of, they will pass away. <coughs> but the spirit will not pass away. And if we have the spirit of God in our souls, it will make a difference. Please turn with me to Isaiah chapter 58, verse 6 and verse 7. Isaiah chapter 58, verse 6 and verse 7. The Bible says, Is not this the fast? Not chosen. There are four areas here that I want you to pay close attention as I go over this scripture. Because, saints of God, if you take what I'm saying seriously as I point you to the Word of God and you implement this in your life practically and personally so you develop your own testimony in regards to this, no one can argue a testimony and it'll make a major difference in your life. Because you know why? Because in Isaiah 58, 1 through 5, that's the fast that we need to avoid and stay away from at all costs. It's a fast where we have strife and we have debate amongst each other. We don't want that fast. The Lord doesn't want that fast, and he's not pleased with that fast because that fast is not motivated by the love that he asked us to have. That's loving God with all of our hearts and loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. Amen? Amen. Remember, this is spiritual instruction. So we need the Holy Spirit to give us the insight and understanding of what God is saying. Amen? We don't just need the information. All of us got too much information now. Huh? Yes. In fact, we've gotten so quote-unquote smart because we know so much. But yet, we know so little in Jesus. I've discovered it. It, is, it has actually impacted my personal life to have a cell phone to carry with me every day. When I remember when I didn't have a cell phone every day. You understand what I'm saying, everybody? Huh? All these smart televisions and everything. Hey, it's nice. It seems good. But notice how these things take away from the real things of life. 
So let's go to Isaiah 58, verse 6 and 7. It's not just the fast I've chosen to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke. Let me bring this into practicality for you. I was asking the Lord, what is that yoke? was happening and going through councils on stewardship one day, looking it up, and found out one of those yokes. Would you like to hear about one of those yokes? Yeah. She says, yoke is debt. Okay? Mm -hmm. Now, let's put it in context with Newton County and this church. Well, I'm a very practical person. When you get to know me, you know real quick. Because I come from a family that's very practical. Though my father was a pastor in over eight churches in the Southern Union, ministerial stewardship director, my father has been known to fix people's cars right there on the spot and stop and change his clothes and help them. Amen. To drive hours sometimes just to give a few dollars to somebody to just pray for them and make sure they're encouraged. Amen. And a mother People were about to die, lose their lives, and she'll be there to help them and sacrifice hours upon hours just to help somebody be better and do better. I got to witness what real love is. And ain't nobody tell me anything about that. Because <laughs> I know, and I know what it's like to have love that is motivated by God. Amen? Amen? Let's go to verse 7. Isaiah 58, verse 7. Now, I want you to notice something very carefully. In verse 7, it says, is, not, is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house, when thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. Saints of God, let me just give it to you in plain English. The character of what we're hearing here in Isaiah 58, verse 6 and 7. It was around age 18 when I first discovered Isaiah chapter 58 and the significance of it by reading in the spirit of prophecy about this. And I found out, by, I, when I was reading, I came across a thought that says, you ought to read this chapter every day. And as an inquisitive 18-year-old, I'm asking, why would she say read this chapter every day? And so for a course of time over the years, I've been asking the same question. and been reading this many, many times. And I have discovered some things, a couple things I'll share with you. The servant of the Lord said that the message in Isaiah chapter 58 should be repeated and bears repeating over and over and over again. Now remember, my title is Who is Your Neighbor? And you're getting ready to see the connection here in a real way. She talks about Isaiah 58 that she says this message in this chapter is the only safe path for God's people to walk in. I'm paraphrasing that, but that's what she said. Okay? But the thing that was most startling to me is I'm always that person who asks, why, Lord, did you say that? And I usually go to the sanctuary to find out the why. You know, you catch it open car. Amen. <laughs> Because I've learned that Jesus has the answer to every question why, so ask him. Amen? Amen? She said that the message in Isaiah 58 is designed to remove selfishness in the church. Amen. Let me walk down the aisle just for a minute. Because this is important that we hear and let the Holy Spirit make sure he gets the message to our hearts. The purpose 
of Isaiah 58, the message in Isaiah 58, she says is designed to remove selfishness in the church. Okay. We got a problem with selfishness. Does anybody agree with that? Yeah. All of us, if you don't know that you have that problem, that's probably why you still have problems. <laughs> because the reason why this is important is because selfishness, under the general heading of selfishness, all the rest of the sins in heaven that are recorded is there under that heading. Whoa. <laughs> so selfishness is a very serious thing to God. And think about it, family. Let's get real. Wives, when your husband is being selfish, are you encouraged? <laughs> Husbands, when you know your wife is being selfish and bratty, huh? I was just having fun. Being selfish. Ask your question. Are you encouraged? Not encouraged. Okay? So, selfishness is something that the Lord wants to eliminate from us because how can you love properly or love at all when selfishness is present? You can't do it. So God gives us ways to eliminate that. Just like you have to go to the, the room of rest. <laughs> you have to eliminate that selfishness. And you know how you do it? God's way is through service. Amen. She says the great law of life is the law of service. <clears throat> the great law of life is the law of service. So service is the key in the sanctuary, just to give you an imagery that you can hold this thing to. My favorite subject, just look at the seven-branch candlestick. Mm -hmm. So all you gotta do, think about the seven-branch candlestick and compare what's going on in the holy place now with the altar of incense and the table of showbread. Mm -hmm. This is how it helped me because, mind you, the Israelites, when they were in Egypt, they didn't have all the education that we do. They didn't read like we did, or they didn't have what we have. And the Lord had to have a way to teach his children his ways. So he gave them the sanctuary and the lessons <coughs> of it, so that from a child to an adult, they could understand God's will and his way. Amen? Amen? Amen. <coughs> For me, if the gospel can't be made simple, I'm not interested. Because it's got to be something you can do in Jesus. Amen. 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 All the highfalutin words, I can't grasp that. And most of us can't. And our children definitely don't. Mm -hmm. And the Lord tells us we ought to be like a little child. Hmm? Amen. So, the seven branch candlestick, everybody, was made, was, was, put, was dealt with or developed from one block of gold. Right? And when that was fashioned and all, and you had those branches, seven branches, here's the thing that was a revelation to my heart. I pray it's a revelation to your heart. The table showbread and the altar of incense were made in this base of acacia wood. And that acacia wood was a very expensive wood. And one of the characteristics that was difficult to work with. In the sanctuary, wood represents man. So I have a question for you. Are we difficult to work with? Yes, we are, unfortunately. Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> huh? But are we valuable Amen. in God's eyes? Yes. Yes. So the Lord made sure that we were represented in that imagery in the sanctuary and in the heart of that work. So angels could come and do this work, but that's not God's plan. So he didn't bring, send them to do that. Right? They just work with us. Well, here's the key. What covered the altar of incense and the seven branch candlestick? Gold. The wood. The gold covered that, correct? Well, what does the gold represent? 
It, it represents Christ. It represents his righteousness. It represents his character. Amen? Well, here's the lesson I pray that you gather today. Something very, very simple. Notice in the seven branch candlestick that there is no wood. What did I say? No wood. So there's wood in the table showbread, and there's wood in the altar of incense, but there's no wood in the seven branch candlestick. You know how the Bible says, we say this all the time, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven? Well, I'm going to take you to Heaven's Encyclopedia program through the sanctuary and, and, and put that and map that with something. Just look at the seven branch candlestick. We are candlesticks, the Bible calls us, right? And it says, let your light so shine. Well, in the seven-branch candlestick, because there's no wood, that simply means there's no self involved in that light. Amen. 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 Zechariah 4, 6, in that last part of the scripture, it says, it's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Today, friends, as I got up to speak, it was in my heart and it's in my heart now that I cannot impress upon your hearts anything spiritual without the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And once I speak, I am to leave the results to God. Amen. When I walk away from this place, I have to go back to my everyday life just like you. <clears throat> Whatever words that I say that I'm prompted by the Holy Spirit, it is God's job to convict and convert the heart, not mine and not yours. Amen. And one of the reasons why we struggle, small church, with witnessing and going out and dealing with our neighbors, would you like to know what I've discovered as a scientist of encouragement? <laughs> and researching, I've discovered this is what it is. It, this is it. We literally try to convict and convert people to change people to the direction of what we believe. And that's in our hearts. Mm -hmm. Whether it's conscious or unconscious, that is the thing that causes us to be afraid to talk to and deal with our neighbor. Amen. I'm telling you. I've studied this many, many ways. And I'm here to tell you it's okay. If you just let go of yourself, die to yourself, realize that God's word is power. You don't have to live off anybody else's testimony. You don't got to live off mine. Just think about what God has done for you personally. Amen? Amen. And carry that testimony with courage. The servant of the Lord says we can do nothing without courage. Saints of God, <clears throat> if you can hold on to one thing that I say today, I'm going to challenge you to hold on to this one thing and I'm going to say it again. You can do nothing without courage. I don't care what evangelism crusades you got to do in, in the future. Whatever sermons, presentations, songs, I'm challenging the church today that in Christ you can take courage. You can take courage to witness. You can take courage to love your wife and your husband and your child and your neighbor as you love yourself in Jesus. Amen. And I'm here to tell you, when you do your part faithfully, Jesus will do his part faithfully. Amen? Amen. I'm going to end this sermon today, this talk with you today by giving you a live, living testimony. God's word says they overcame by the blood of the Lamb mm -hmm. and by the word of their testimony. Mm -hmm. And they loved not their lives unto death. You see, we live in a time, as certain Lord says, where heart religion is needed. So maybe as you hear me talk today, 
I pray that our hearts are connected in some way. Because I I was striving today in prayer to make sure my heart was connected with Jesus. Amen? Amen. Because without that, my friends, I'm just talking. And it doesn't mean anything. But under the inspiration and power of God, under the anointing, the Bible says it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. There's nothing special about any of us other than that we are a child of God. Now that makes us powerful in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. About 30 days ago, my family moved to, actually longer than 30 days ago. It's now about 60 days ago. And then there's some occurrences of things that happened 30 days ago. <laughs> about two months ago, roughly, we moved to Stone Mountain into a home. In the home, my, my wife and I are what you call home managers. And what I mean by that is there are houses that you can acquire. A lot of people don't know this. If you have decent or fine furniture, there are programs where people look for people like us who can put their furniture in a, a nice home and live there and pay apartment pricing in a luxury home, okay? And me and my wife had done this over several years. It was my wife's idea. So I said, okay. Well, at Stone Mountain, we moved into a home, and to give you perspective, it's about 8,000 square feet. It's not our home, we're just home manager. But it was very interesting what the Lord had done. Because first of all, the gentleman who we decided to be a part of the program, the day that we found out about it, they were so excited for me and my wife to even call them. They said, why don't you go look at the property? We're very busy. Just come get the key. They gave me the key. No one came with me. Walked in the house, looked it over. My wife wasn't there at the time. And that was an amazing miracle just for them to give me the key. And I walk in there, and no one was there. The broker wasn't there or the other representative. The second miracle happened. We didn't have all the resources we needed at that exact time to do everything. In fact, my wife said to me, we're going to need about $5,000 to do this thing because of all the things we need to do. When she told me that, I didn't have that available to do that. But by walking by faith and not by sight, what did I say? Walking by faith and not by sight. I've been self-employed over 29 years. I sure have. And I've had to learn how to walk in the valleys and the mountain times by faith. So this was no different to me. Okay, well, Lord, listen. I just need to know if the cloud is here. If the cloud is moving, then I'm ready. Whatever we need to do, we're going to do. Amen? Now, mind you, this is the opening of my testimony. This ain't the core part yet. I just got to make sure you get the context so you understand where I'm coming from. The saints of God. We were able to move in. Fast forward the testimony. Not everything moved in. But before we got everything moved in, I called my old Bible teacher was a pastor and asked him if he could come to the house and bless the house. Yeah? He came and blessed every room, prayed over it and everything. Well, I knew just being there, I could feel the power of the Holy Spirit. I just knew it. Well, what me and my wife didn't know, we had had this discussion and we said, boy, if we get a chance to rest a while. Because nearly 20 years of our marriage, people have stayed with us in the homes that we've been in all over the place. It's very rare that we've ever had a time with just her and I. And this looks like the Lord said, well, continue your ministry. <laughs> <laughs> so as we moved in, and was feeling good, settling and just relaxing, a big old place. I mean, we can't operate in all that space, but we're home managers, so hey. A pastor called us, a pastor called us up and he said, listen, Anthony, we got a uh, uh, a young lady, her mother, 
who are transitioning from their home. And it's, they don't need about 45 to 60 days. Would it be okay? Would y'all be willing to allow them to stay with you all? We'll pay you some money, but can they stay with you? Call my wife. Well, when we were there, of course, I had to call. We just talked about it. And called her, called him up and said, yes, no problem. So, that two individuals come in the home. It was a blessing, just dealing with them, being there to be a service to them. Then, one day I was driving. I get real creative, so sometimes I just want to get out and I decide to do a little Uber. That's not, that's not my main thing, but that's the kind of guy I am, a high let loose. Sometimes I just feel impressed. I need to encourage somebody. So I go and just connect with people that I don't know. Amen. So as I was driving this day, a young lady, I picked her up, and I was five minutes from, when I picked her up in Stone Mountain, I had to drive her to Kroger's, and it was five minutes. In other words, it was a very short trip. But during that five minutes that she began to communicate, she started talking about her health, things that she was praying for, things she was dealing with. And the Holy Spirit was speaking to me as clear as I'm talking to you in my mind, in my heart, and said, you need to stay in touch with this young lady. And so I literally took courage and said to her, the Holy Spirit's impressing me. We need to stay in contact. Didn't know her from Adam. She didn't know me from Adam. Her words to me, sitting in that back seat, you know how women are. Y'all pay attention to things, very detailed, right? And she was processing her, her communication with me. And her words to me in that back seat was, you know, how you're communicating and the way your, your tone of voice and how you're communicating, I, I believe I can trust what you're saying. And I give God the praise for that. And so got her information, <clears throat> next day communicated with her. Fast forward that testimony. She went to prayer meeting with us. She had three children. Was able to pick her up and her three children. Take her to prayer meeting. Pastor Jenkins, the other church. Great Atlanta, SDA Church. Amen. Which, by the way, is a blessing. Just as much as this church is a blessing. Amen. And we not, she not only is going to church, but she literally, we found out, was going to be evicted for whatever reason. And she was living with her boyfriend. Got to talking to my wife, got to talking about this situation, and my wife asked me after, because I said, I told the lady I need to introduce you to my wife. Got to do that, brother. Amen. 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 Introduce her to my wife. And then my wife ended up asking me, she said, honey, she said, can we, she, they're going to be moving and leaving, they don't have a place to stay, they might have to go to a shelter. Can they stay with us? I said, yes, sister. Yes, baby. No problem. So now we have a young lady and our three children. And these were not the most disciplined children. <laughs> <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? Uh -huh. Yet the Lord, let's go back to verse 7 real quick. <laughs> Isaiah 58, verse 7. It says, is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry? Huh? And that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him? And that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh? What we were faced with was a test from heaven. It's like you would be tested. Sure, we live in a nice home. That makes it even more of a test. Mm -hmm. Amen? Mm -hmm. That makes it more of a test in a real way. Mm -hmm. Because, uh, just so you know, uh, when my wife, when a child broke my wife's lamp, mm. that was a test. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. Real practical with you. Yes. Uh, when uh, crayons are found on the wall, <laughs> Of a home that's not ours, mm -hmm. that's a test. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen. When some things are stolen out of my wife's room mm -hmm. by a child, mm -hmm. 
and no one is confessing it, that's a test. Yeah. Is that real for you, sister? Yeah. 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 That's real. Well, I was out at the mall. My five bedroom, five and a half bath. The Lord said, okay, son, I gave you more for a reason. I need you to do something. Remember I said the great law of life is the law of service? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, it's going to test you now. So I'm waiting to get my car fixed in Sandy Springs, sitting in the mall, and I'm talking to a gentleman about his cars and, and working on his cars, and a young lady comes and sits beside me, like on a, on a couch, right there in the mall, in the middle of the mall, and the Holy Spirit just puts it upon me to pay attention to what was around me. <clears throat> I looked over and saw a young lady, and I just said, hello. Being kind, hello. And she said, not doing so well. Mm. And so I asked her, so what's going on? Her boyfriend had kicked her out of the house. And not only did he kick her out of the house, but it was cold that night, because I remember. And she slept outside in the cold for the first time in her life. Okay? There's no way after she told me that, I told my wife later, that I was going to sit there and allow that to happen the next day. But one of the reasons why I can do that is because I'm free. The Bible says, He who the Son has made free shall be free indeed. First free means moral excellence, the second free means silver, civil excellence. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, civil freedom. In your throwing, your process in the Greek. Go look it up. Mm -hmm. God wants a full, complete package of freedom. Amen. Morally free. It means from, from the condemnation of sin and what it would do to your heart and your life. And he wants you to be freed up in your finances and in your mind Amen. and in your experience so you can do what God asked you to do. Amen. And I made that decision over 29 years ago. And I'm free. No free indeed. Amen. Amen. So I was free to serve. So I called, I called the pastor up. He'll tell you if you ask him. I said, Pastor Jenkins. And I told him the experience I was going through right there live, like real TV. This is real encouragement TV. <laughs> Amen. I called Pastor Jenkins and said, Pastor, you got a situation. Told him what was going on. He had somebody at the food bank. He was helping at that exact time. Mm -hmm. We prayed over the phone. And I went back to work. <clears throat> Called my wife up. I told her the situation. And sometimes men, you got to stand up in your God-given leadership and let do what the Lord impresses you to do. Mm -hmm. Amen? Mm -hmm. I didn't have to prod my wife, though. I want you to know that. But I did have to, to be, make it clear. And I said, sweetheart, we cannot let this lady sleep another night out there in the cold. And she said, bring her on in. Amen? Amen? The young lady is there right now. So now imagine eight people in the house. Had a situation where our son about to be evicted. It works for UPS. But his girlfriend messed him up. Money was short and funny. And he ended up having to leave the home. Come on, son. Come on. We got a room for you. Until you get yourself together. Eight people in the house. And what did I tell you earlier? Me and my wife just needed some rest. <laughs> <laughs> my wife had a stroke months ago. Mm. A full blown out stroke. Do you hear what I'm saying, saints? Listen. Obviously, I have more to say. But I'm just going to direct your mind to what I start off with. The power of God's word is going to give us the ability to identify our neighbors, to love our neighbors. By this point, we ought to love God with all of our heart already. Amen? Amen. Amen. So our test 
is going to be, do we love our neighbor as we love ourselves? And if we will allow God's plan, which is a perfect plan, to eliminate selfishness in our hearts and in our lives, he can perfect in us what he chooses to do if we will allow him to do that. Who is your neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Anyone that needs your help. Amen. Saints of God, let's go to the throne. Let's pray. Most gracious and heavenly Father, it is a blessing to be able to be in the house of God, in the house of prayer. Lord, we do recognize that prayer is the answer to every problem in life. Father, we have many problems and many concerns and many challenges. We have challenges in our finances with our money and the money you've allowed us to be stewards over. We have challenges in our health and our physical frame because of all kinds of issues. And we have problems in our relationships, in our churches, homes, and schools, and in our neighborhoods. But Father, we know that you are able. And we know that you can help us with every issue that we're faced with. Teach us, dear Jesus, how to learn to trust you. How to learn to depend upon you with our whole hearts. Lord, I ask that you will forgive us for our sins, that you will forgive us for our negligence and our unfaithful ways. I ask, Lord, that you forgive us for our selfishness and our prideful ways. Whether we're in the board meetings or in our home meetings, teach us how to treat each other the way that we want to be treated. Teach us how to love you and to love our neighbor. Thank you, Lord for hearing our prayers today and just being with us, showing us, giving us a taste of heaven today. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you. Amen. 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 God bless you. <coughs>